to Deeply Disturbing Things. The podcast. I am Macy. I'm Naomi. And we are two anxious counselors and one bulldog who are here to talk about deeply disturbing things. Yeah, Sarah is uh, in Vegas watching the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Is it in Vegas? I don't think so. Oh, Oh, gosh, she's just in Vegas watching the Super Bowl. (laughs) Okay, I mean, I guess that makes sense. If you're a... um, NFL fan? Or a Vegas fan. <laughs> well, I don't think Vegas has an NFL team. Mm-hmm. It's the Chiefs and the Niners. I'm at, like Vegas like is a gambling place. Oh, okay. I would assume. I guess some people go for the shows. Right? Well, when I go, I'm going to go for the lobster breakfast and the magic shows. Those I, two things. I remember going to, sorry, my whole life is puppy pictures now. Um, I remember going to Circus Circus in Reno. But I've never been to Vegas before. Yeah, I think Vegas is bigger. I heard that. <laughs> the other one's called Little Reno. Or Little, yeah. Little the biggest Reno. little city in the world. Yeah, that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, oh, is it well, have... oh, yeah, and it might get worse. <laughs> it, it's even louder. I'm going to just, like, give him a little a little shade for his eyes. So no shade. Dark. Let him nap. Yeah. All right. I'm excited because I get to hang out and listen to what you have to say. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. I know. I picked a bad one to bring a puppy for when I'm... He's napping. I'm happy right now. No, so, that's fine. Um, I am going to talk today about imposter syndrome. Oh, that's very um, relevant. To right now? To you? To me? Um, to this to project us? that I'm working on, yeah. Oh, what project are you working on? Am I allowed to know? It's just this uh, webinar that I'm doing on, like, how to be a good supervisor of mental uh, health clinicians. Nice. It's the second one I've done for CoLab. But one of the topics I want to talk about was imposter syndrome, because I think it comes up a lot for people that, you know, especially people coming from marginalized um identities Mm -hmm. being in that supervisor position for the first time can bring up a lot of that those feelings of imposter syndrome right yes and it's something that i heard all throughout my like uh grad school and um something as a faculty member where like you know i've held workshops on imposter syndrome for students and um it's very it it, I think most people have heard of it if you're in a helping profession, I think. So I found an article, though, that like really shook my perspective on it. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of why I wanted to share a bit about it. So it's going to be a little different take than I think what we normally. It was one of my alternative titles to my book, actually. I was considering having it called, be called Imposter. Ooh, that's a good name, just imposter. Yeah. I like that. That's also would be a good band name. It would. It would be. I feel like I need more wine before. Can I like have a chug? I'm gonna chug real quick. Well yeah. That's one hand not something you need puppy. to ask. I know. I just no. Chug a lug. <laughs> I actually don't know how to chug. I mean maybe not know, but like I, I feel like I physically can't. Oh. You never slammed beers in high school or no. school? No. I don't think I've ever been in a social setting where slamming beers is a thing. Oh. Just different, different folk. 
Um, all right. So the article that I found, um, uh, so this is actually from Harvard Business Review is the one who uh, put out this article, but it's by Ruchika Tolshian and Jody Ann Burry. So I want to give them some credit. And they wrote this in 2021 or give them all the credit for me stumbling on it. Um, so imposter syndrome is considered doubting your abilities and feeling like you're a fraud at work. Um, like you shouldn't be doing this or like, you're not going to be as good as, you know, everybody else. What have you seen for how imposter syndrome has? Kind of well, I mean, for me, it showed up like, I don't deserve to be here. Right. 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 Especially, you know, if you have a history where you, you know, don't, didn't take that traditional path of, of privilege mm -hmm. where people tell you like, Hey, this is your path. Like, yes. Mm -hmm you deserve to be here. You deserve all this stuff when you're on a different path and then you end up getting to that place anyway by your own long and winding road. I, I right. think it's just natural that you're going to, you know, compare yourself to others and um, right. feel like you, you might not deserve a seat at the table, even though you actually do. Right. And it does it. It's very much this kind of put on, on the person as like an introspective, like, you know, it's self-doubt, but that doesn't mean you're not capable, that sort of thing. Um, so the concept itself was developed in the 1970s, which I had no idea actually where it came from at all. It excluded, so I want to just highlight, it excludes the effects of systemic racism, classism, xenophobia, and other biases Um and it took a fairly universal concept of what discomfort, second guessing, and mild anxiety in the workplace. And like for how they described it, it was very, none of those other factors were looked at. Um, and then it was second guessing and mild anxiety, like at work. And then they over, according to these authors, they feel like it then that they over pathologized it and applied it to women. So I'm going to talk a bit about why um, in, in this viewpoint, and I'm kind of on board with this now, why we should stop telling uh, our, our folk and especially women um, that they have imposter syndrome. Well, I wouldn't tell people. I think it's something that people experience themselves. And it can help be helpful, I think, to have a, a name, you know, name it, tame but, it. But maybe we name it something better than what it... I'm fine with that, but I think with. the phenomena is real. And I'm going to question some of it because I feel like how it's viewed for me, like after, and I'll go into their stuff here, but for me, it is a lot of systemic barriers and the roles that were put in oh 100 i'm right. not saying it's just something somebody's imagining no 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 not at all but it's like it how about we look at changing the systems and help our professional women in fields like this feel confident how can systems help that how can they build praise and acknowledgement of the work that's done in a in a very ambiguous job where it's sometimes hard to like a client doing well, we don't get like full credit for that. Like that's that person's stuff, right? And if, but if they do bad, like they, I don't know, uh, 
don't meet their goals, that could impact someone's performance at work. If they stop showing in there, they no show. So their direct performance is tied to the outcomes in a in a field where outcomes aren't like as mental health counselors, aside from job wise, if that's that person's agency and choice, then there isn't really a right or wrong. Mm-hmm. It just is. Yeah. Self-determination. Right. It's real, yo. But employment like throws a wrench in that, I think, in that ideology, I guess. So, all right. Do you hear him now? No, I can hear him. He just coos <laughs> out his nose. I mean, it's cute now. Will it be cute when he's like full grown? Well, we'll <laughs> does he fart too? As I heard, bulldogs are gassy. He does, but it usually means he's going to poop soon. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> uh, so their kind of overall thing is to overcome imposter syndrome. It's not about fixing the individuals, but to create an environment that fosters a number of different leadership styles. So this kind of ties in with your supervision thing, uh, where diversity of racial, ethnic, and gender identities is viewed as just as professional as whatever the current model is. So the example that they give um, was a was a woman who was charged at her corporate event management company to plan a high-profile security intensive event. She worked around the clock throughout weekends. Um, Barack Obama was the keynote speaker. So, so very big deal. That's a lot of pressure. Right. Uh, I don't think I would even be able to speak in front of Barack Obama. I I think I would just take a sick day. Just be like, I'm sorry. Yeah, be there. (laughs) Cut in over my head. This is a terrible mistake. (laughs) So she, she said that she knew how to handle the logistics of the job. Like she knew her job but not the office politics that went with it. Um, So for her, it was, here's like this golden opportunity to show her expertise, to take on a challenge. And, and it made me think of your, like to, when you're like taking these other paths to like show. um, Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's, is commonly expressed by, by women in fields like ours who get that imposter syndrome thing is like, often they are having to turn to a kind of proving it through other channels sort of thing. Sorry if you can just hear him breathing the whole time. I um, can't, but it's really cute. <laughs> I mean, it's cute now. I'm wondering if it'll be cute, you know, later. I think so. He's cute. <laughs> um, right now, it sounds like a little pigeon. So she, she was wondering... Um, so basically what ended up happening was that she wanted to take on this role, prove herself. And her colleagues started interrogating her and censored her, calling her professionalism into question. Uh, they wondered what, or she wondered whether her race had something to do with it. She is, she is a black woman and the only black um, woman on her team. She began doubting whether she was qualified for the job despite constant praise from the client. So in office, she was getting scrutinized at different levels, but the job she was doing was actually really good. Um, but so then it creates this sense of doubt. Her planning team um, just wasn't supportive. She ended up getting demoted from lead to co-lead and then was eventually unacknowledged altogether in the project. And 
each action that just kind of chipped away at her role just impacted her confidence. And this created this deep anxiety and feeling like she was a fraud, which I would say that for counseling students, one of the things I see is like they come in very eager and excited and wanting to do well and wanting to learn. But it is it's when something rocks the boat that it kicks in, like maybe a client fires them or they have to deal with a crisis situation that they weren't expecting or they get feedback and, and feedback in general, I guess. Just in general. In general, feedback. Um, and well, so it yeah, is interesting to me that takes a, about six months before the profession just chews them up and spits them out. Right. That that six months is my that's what I always throw out to the two mm -hmm. six months honeymoon period. Mm -hmm. And and I think too it's part of programs not necessarily preparing folks for what like working in community mental health or preparing them either for the direction of. I hear so many like, I want private practice. I want private practice. They don't understand that you're also not trained in business or billing or credentialing. And then they get out in the real world and then they're not prepared for either. And then they have a letdown moment too of, oh, this isn't what I thought it would be. Well, Canadian mental health is hard He work. did definitely just fart right now, just so you know, and it was not me. Okay. And then he made eye contact with me. What does the eye contact mean? concern <laughs> like what's coming out of my butt she woke him up it wasn't me it was you um okay so it started for her what she stated was healthy nervousness will I fit in are my colleagues gonna like me can I do a good job and she said it then became uh which is common I hear all the time like workplace trauma uh that ended up leading her to feeling um, actually suicidal uh, for her. My eyes are actually watering. From his smell? You smelled it? Did you smell it? I couldn't smell it, but my eyes started watering. Did it just burn? Yeah. <laughs> just insta-burn. Um, and, okay. I'm here for it, to be honest. Because it's, it's so fine. It's, it's Honestly, here now. even like I'll cleaning up his poop isn't even a big deal. Yeah, now. when they're babies, like, it's all good. Because he's so cute. He gets kisses. That was not cute. He literally sneezed inside of my mouth. <laughs> All right. Um, so she actually has a, a book if you want to check out more um, confessions from your token black colleague. I do want to check out yeah. more. Uh, and she reflects on the imposter syndrome that she felt uh, she experienced. Um, she knows it wasn't a lack of self-confidence. And so that's one of her things is it wasn't that I wasn't confident in my skills. Um, she, she felt she was repeatedly facing systemic racism and bias. Well, I would say that's not imposter syndrome then. But it gets labeled that way externally because... Yeah, I think people have to label themselves. Like what I have is definitely imposter syndrome. Like when I'm at the table, you know, I really have to remind myself that what I have to say is important mm -hmm. and to speak up. Mm -hmm. right yes 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 i don't want you to poop on me either so you just let me know i'll take you outside um all the yawns okay so 
Imposter syndrome is loosely. How do you like get anything done? Because I don't stare at his cute face. I'm between that and cleaning up poop and trying to have not be play bitten all the time. Oh, his nippy. I he's getting better, but yeah, it's whatever stage he's in. Uh, so loosely defined. See this? I, I get nothing done. Is the answer? Um, <laughs> loosely defined as doubting your abilities, feeling like fraud. But it is reported to disproportionately affect high-achieving people who find it difficult to accept their accomplishments. Many question whether they're deserving of those accolades. Psychologists Pauline Rose Clance and Susan Imes developed the concept, originally termed imposter phenomenon, in 1978. So it focused on high-achieving women. They posited that despite outstanding academic and professional accomplishments, Women who experience imposter phenomenon persist in believing that they are really not bright and have fooled others to think otherwise, which I've heard that too of like, like I got here by accident or like I must have tricked people. And I think I felt that quite a bit of like, gosh, I am, there must be something that made this happen, but it couldn't be me. I know he's distracting. I know he's cute. Hollywood Hollywood superstar or Dallas head I mean Charlize Theron Viola Davis did I say her name right Charlize Theron yeah okay (laughs) um business leaders uh Michelle Obama Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor have can I just say yes I heard a rumor oh that Michelle Obama is going to run for president Really? And I'm here for it. This is porcelain. You're giving my dog a porcelain baby head. Are you kidding me? It's not rubber. But he wanted the hair. To shatter into his mouth? He's really interested. You know, he's really upset by this (laughs) letdown that just happened. Um, Yeah, I agree. That was was not cool. But wouldn't that be awesome? Michelle Obama running for president. That would be cool. Where'd you hear this rumor? I heard this rumor on a drag queen podcast that I listened to. Do you want to plug it in case people are interested? Uh, Race Race Chasers with Alaska, Thunderfoot 5000, Willow Bella. It's real good. Real good. So a Google search yields more than 5 million results and shows solutions ranging from attending conferences to reading books to reciting one's accomplishments in front of a mirror. What's less explored... Have you ever done that? No. I don't do any of those corny self-help. No, the only thing I have is a sticker or not a sticker, a sticky note on my computer from a master's program that says do it anyway, just do it anyways. Because I always like, well, I could do it, just do it anyways. That's it. I mean, if that corny self-help stuff works for other people, that's great. I've, I've it's just heard never it, like, been something I've been into. I've heard it for people, for some people where it was helpful to like have it in their face because they wouldn't. It just reminds me of Stuart Smalley's sketches on SNL. Oh, yeah. yeah. Darn it. You're good enough. Yeah. Um, so, sorry. So, um, okay. So. What's less explored is why, and this is kind of more of, I would say, like the gap, not saying that doesn't exist, but exploring more about how the workplace systems 
play in, like the role that they play in exacerbating these feelings in women specifically per these studies. Um, I think it obviously can come up for men too. And I'm just using the women statement that's termed here, but for just so I'm going to use it as broadly as we can. We think there's room to question imposter syndrome as the reasons women may be inclined to distrust their success. So systemic racism, classism, xenophobia, and other biases were categorically absent when this imposter syndrome was developed. Many groups excluded from the study um, in the actual research aspect of it included women uh, uh, women, uh, minority women, people of various income levels, genders, and professional backgrounds. Um, so it was a lot of white middle class women in the study. Um, and even as we know today, imposter syndrome puts blame on the individual without accounting for historical or cultural contexts that are foundations to how it manifests in both women of color and white women. So imposter syndrome directs our view towards fixing women at work instead of fixing the places where women work. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm... Do you want to sit in your basket? Pretty happy that where I work, like, there's a lot of women in power. Yes, yes. And that's so not the case everywhere. So When good. I did my, like, DEI courses and you had to do all this analysis of your own workplace, it was actually kind of difficult to find problems mm -hmm. in from that aspect right because yeah i mean our intern ceo is a woman our coo is a woman asian woman you mm -hmm. know there's there's um lots of people in power that are from you know protected classes so right right and and just to note that this is not um i'm watching you uh <laughs> Make sure she's not going to go fight. Um, so this isn't specific to counseling or anything like that either. So just to call that out. Yeah. Um, could be other fields or would be other fields too. Um, <laughs> um, ah, okay. So you should probably say that again because you're across the room. Oh, uh, which part? The part that you weren't by the microphone. Oh, that this isn't for. Uh, and then you are getting. I know, but it. like I don't. He's fine. He's just—he's fine until he pees on your carpet. Oh, is that why he was doing that squash? No, actually, half the time when he sits down, I'm unsure what's happening because okay. <laughs> he's so that so many rules. Um, hi, bud. He just headbutt you. Yeah, um, he just headbutted my foot. That's not what he does. I, I think he wants to pick him up. So yeah, it this wasn't this isn't specifically talking about counseling or helping professions. Uh, this actually a wide variety. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it generalizes. Right. So, um, but I, I personally really like that idea because I've heard a lot of people talk about um, that workplace trauma aspect. Uh, so imposter syndrome had this kind of universal feeling of discomfort, second guessing, mild anxiety. And as white men progress in their research, it shows that feelings of doubt usually get better as their work and intelligence are validated over time. They're able to find role models who are like them and rarely, if ever, do others question their competence, contributions, or leadership style. Women are the opposite. Rarely are women invited to career development conferences, 
where a session on overcoming imposter syndrome is not on the agenda. <laughs> um, the label of imposter syndrome is a heavy load to bear as well. Even the word imposter brings a tinge of criminal fraudulence to feeling feelings of simply being unsure or anxious. That's, but that's why that I, I fit with that. I align with that. Mm -hmm. Because for me, a lot of it is like my whole life, I was like, you know, a weirdo and a bad kid. And then suddenly I'm in like an important leadership Maybe. position. So it fits for me to like feel like an actual imposter. Right, right. Well, and it does say that like these are women who are, have achieved. So it's just the, just the word though, imposter. Can we clothes? Oh, he wears, because his name is Volcom. He, like, he has a, a little uh, sweater. I'm thinking it's like, like costumes. Oh, probably at some point I'll have costumes. Um, so just the word though of imposter, like is there again another word that might be, feel less uh, stigmatizing? Uh, the idea of um, kind of relating it to female hysteria, <laughs> that idea of like, okay, but can it be labeled something that isn't so that? Uh, where it could lead to people being misdiagnosed. So like you said, well, that doesn't sound like that. That doesn't sound like imposter syndrome, but a lot of people's experiences are getting grouped under one umbrella. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's something someone should label themselves. It should right. not be something someone says, oh, you have imposter syndrome. But that's not typically what happens because they don't know the words until they're told it at a I'm conference not... or by a boss or by a supervisor. So how do you... As a supervisor going to your presentation. Well, I will describe it from a very like um objective place and people can mm -hmm. claim it as their own if they want it. Right, right. Well, it's kind of like when I I'll put it down, you can choose to pick it up or not. Well, and not like if I teach a diagnosis class, I start at the very beginning saying, I'm gonna like have you not self-diagnosed during this class because you're gonna be tempted to. You'll hear and see things. You'll be mentally checking boxes and think that like you, oh, I must have this. I must have that. It's. I think it's pretty easy to, to self-align and that confirmation bias because it's there. Um. All right. So feelings of uncertainty are expected and normal in professional life. Women who experience them are deemed to suffer from this. That word is used a lot. Even if women demonstrate strength, ambition, and resilience, the daily battles with microaggressions for many, um, especially expectations and assumptions from stereotypes and racism, make it challenging to kind of push past that emotionally. So <laughs> the struggle part may not, like maybe those feelings are very valid and exist, but is the struggle because of the additional microaggressions that are happening that are making it challenging. I'm sure there's an interplay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, th there's a lot of things I want to say, but I'm not going to, but yeah. just for me, really, it shows up like at the table mm -hmm. with other leaders. And oh yeah, I've really been becoming more and more aware of who the people are that, talks the most mm -hmm. and I feel like there's a real privilege attached to just feeling free to just 
to do that think out loud that. quote unquote you know that kind of right. thing versus I feel like I'm going to talk when I feel like there's something really important that I have to say mm-hmm. and I think it's just different um you know experiences that people have had in life so right. that's really just for me personally where it shows up a lot like right. on the daily well and I I saw that play out recently again I, I also won't give any real context but um had a scenario where um there was a what I, I would say that white privilege he, likes me. he does he, he loves you <laughs> where that white privilege was shown by one person in the room and there were um two other uh individuals who um uh different backgrounds but um and I didn't honestly know them well enough to know however one identified as being um Chinese American and the other one I'm not sure but the white privilege that was present in the room it was really interesting because the both people were really talking about advocacy and social justice issues and those things being important to them what does that sound? That's just whining. Okay. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. Okay. And then, and then, and although that um, the uh, white middle class woman in the room was in agreement with all those things, she started to almost like model that oppression in the mm-hmm. moment of like, oh, okay, okay, but like, what, what are we? Like, what is the answer then? And at one point she said, well, here's what I'm, here's what I'm hearing you say. And then she summarized in her words, mm. what the other person had already clearly talked about and made like, it, it was like clear. it's taking somebody's power away. Exactly. And making, and then, and then watching other people. You then, need to carry the microphone. <laughs> hey, 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 come here. Well, see, that's the top heavy. I tried to pick them up and then he, uh, well, these lost. You're going to poop, don't poop. Don't poop. Okay. Don't poop. Please don't poop. Um, but yeah, and then watching the, that, it, it, I had to actually stop the the what we were doing because I felt it was causing harm. Because then all of a sudden watching the other folks backpedal off of their mm. positions, softening to uh, kind of, ooh, I. Like kowtow. Yeah, like this, what, the what? Kowtow. What is that? The saying. Like backpedaling, softening. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was just like... Taking you, a more submissive stance. Yeah, like, okay, this may not be the place that I can say the thing because of that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. like Capitulate. Well, that's a good word. Here. Yeah, thank you. Wow. I'm going to so, take in my mushroom mm-hmm. tea. Mm. What? What? I'm going to take you to the revival mm. tea then. Yes. They have a mushroom tea. I'm addicted to it. I, yeah. It's so good. It tastes like um, it's very earthy. Is it gross earthy? Probably t- to most people, but Could I like be? it. I don't know. Do you like yerba mate? I do. So this is yerba mate mixed with like mushroom pieces. <laughs> Does that sound good to you or not good? You love it. I love tea, but I li- I'm like Earl Grey, Jasmine. No, this is not like that. Okay. okay. We'll try it. Okay. And we like it. Might. If not, Might more not. for me. True. Mm-hmm. Sure. Do that. So, okay. That was adorable. Okay. 
He does like stupid cute things all the time. He likes to throw himself backwards into my lap for pets. He's so cute. Thank you. Thank you. You're so nice. Um, he's being nice, but right now he's gonna he's starting to get tired again. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, okay. So sorry. I got lost in puppies. Um whew. all right. So with women, it can be very challenging to find um even just role models in the workplace uh that um you know who look like me, <laughs> who have my background, uh, and my cultural worldview, that can be very rare, especially the higher up in leadership that you go. Um, so like it's really good to hear like in your um workplace that there are a lot of women and diversity. Yeah. I mean, I really had a hard time like criticizing mm-hmm. in in my classes where you really were supposed to like tear your place apart. Right. It's it's. I mean, there's definitely stuff that happens, but the leadership chain. I mean, my boss is a, a woman. Her boss is a woman. Her boss is a woman. And I I think since we have changed kind of our hiring model to go more on experience and less on degrees. Right. It's really broken down some of the systemic barriers to getting college education. And we're seeing so much more diversity and it's amazing. And that's really the way it should be. Mm -hmm. So, and this isn't because, so that self doubt for, so in this study, women of color reported self doubt um, and it wasn't because of some internal deficiency or um, like their position in work. It's being told for the study that, quote, we don't belong in white and male dominated workplaces. Half the other women of uh, color in this survey uh, by Working Mother Media is who put this together, plan to leave their jobs in the next two years. Citing feeling marginalized, disillusioned, and uh, having that self-doubt, again, as far as being able to achieve. So who is deemed professional? What does professional mean? I mean, I think you show up at work on time. You're not wearing pajamas with holes in them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, what about like were you ever Which is actually a lot to ask, Conforch. Yeah. Were you taught though about like professional attire? No. I was not taught about professionalism at all. It's something I had to figure out. Basically by like what people are doing wrong. Then I'm like, oh, okay, well that's bad. Right, right. Like don't do that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a a lot of people front or back. Right, right. A lot of people learn what not to do yeah. um, by somehow offending whatever the... the or you, you see somebody else, you know, messing up and you're like, right, okay, right. lesson learned. Don't do that. Right, right, right. So uh, one of the women who um, identified as a Latina woman, uh, she said that she would start to get quiet in meetings. Um and she was getting vague feedback from leadership. Um, uh, another individual who, who is a uh, uh, trans woman always spoke up 
uh, who, who, sorry, who reported that she always spoke up, said she stopped doing so because her manager makes, would make gender insensitive remarks. Um, and it led to it not feeling like a safe workplace environment, um, to, uh, continue to share. I don't know, like part of, I think like part of the privilege that you've talked about is privilege of like jumping in and sharing your ideas and being yeah. taken seriously, you know, because you look, to, at least considered because you look or seem professional. Like I have a huge issue with people who are just for lack of better words, older looking. And I'll just say like, I don't know. I don't know, like age range wise, but like we have a lot of undergraduate and like they're, 20s 30s but then it or not undergrads recent grads but then there's like anybody can become a counselor but that is you have the same experience why are you ageist i'm not ageist my issue is that those so if if they see someone who's i I don't know appears 60 ish there may be an assumption by clients that they know more because they look like they are have been in the field a long time there, but they could have literally just graduated. Oh, we have a whole program that helps. Um, Cause since we went to this new model that mm -hmm. takes, um, you know, bachelor's level staff and stuff, there's a lot of people that feel like, you know, their counselors don't take them seriously because mm -hmm. they look young and they're like, I have a seasoned counselor. I felt that for a lot of my career. So, I mean, we 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 address it mm -hmm. head on, which I think is important because it is going to come up, like how to respond to that, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, another one is like, can you work in the STD field if you haven't struggled with addiction yourself? Like, it's the same kind of questions. I thought you said STD field. No. And I was like, I think maybe medical degree, maybe. SUD. Got it now. <laughs> Like, that's another thing. It's like, well, can you really understand my lived experience? Mm -hmm. um, no. I mean, nobody can understand anyone's lived experience. That's the whole point mm -hmm. of it. I'm not, I'm an objective outside observer, that, and that's important. Right. Well, I mean, we falsely often equate confidence with competence. And that's where... Um, I actually saw um, a couple associates who are already in supervisor roles, like supervision and supervision, who the like overconfidence would actually be scary to me because again, that could be very misleading. But um, this is also shown by like white male leaders who like, if I act really confident, you can probably, you probably have people's names not popping up in your mind. Uh, if I act really confident, then... I get respect. Well, and I think those are the people that rise up. Mm -hmm. So right. this is a whole thought I had a while back about actually like this would be an interesting like article to write is, you know, people that are introverted, mm -hmm. do they a have a trauma history? That was one thing I wanted to look at. Is there a connection there? Right. And then how many people in leadership are extroverted versus introverted? Because I feel like in my leadership team, I am probably the only introverted person. 
but I think there's a whole connection between being introverted and being, like I said, like the bad kid, the weirdo, the outsider. Agreed. And now here I am at this table where everybody seems very comfortable with sharing their mind and speaking out and like speaking out for a long time. Whereas I feel like I'm more judicious with my words because I think there's historically for me been more consequences to saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing right because right. of a trauma history etc mm-hmm. etc et so it's just some these, those pieces those three pieces i really have been interested in kind of connecting the dots and so right. future, future articles stay posted i may write something up right right and i mean that all aligns with this this whole concept too which is i mean it basically if you don't conform to a male bias social style uh which is charismatic loud or loud loud confident wise i guess charisma is one of my like it's one of my most i think as an introverted person which by the way i think introvert introverted back in my era could have very easily been labeled now on like the spectrum of like neurodivergent something for introverted so it's interesting that you brought up trauma because i was like i wonder how much of mm-hmm. that could be there's so much we don't fucking know right right all so much that topic. um should i kick the dsm in the face again at this yes. point because it was an appropriate time yes. so um <laughs> the truth of the matter is according to psychologist thomas Tom- tomas I'm going to say Tomas because there's no H in it. So Tomas. Let's say Tomas. Chomero Premusic. There's a Z in there. The truth of the matter is that pretty much anywhere in the world, men tend to think that they are smarter than women. Yet arrogance and overconfidence are inversely related to leadership talent. The ability to build and maintain high-performing teams and inspire followers to set aside their selfish agendas in order to work for the common interests of the group. So like. But who gets ahead though? That's where right, it's, right, right. it's be it, they get the reward. They're twisting. Right. Male leaders get the reward, even if they're incompetent. Well, I have seen male leaders who should not. not I think not leaders. just male. I think a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, this I is agree. what I see. I think it's extroverts. I agree too. Yeah. And I'm. this is what I'm wondering. Is extroversion associated with privilege? I, like, is it more than just that 16 personality and, bullshit. And maybe like, because, is there more to it? And maybe because it does align in that it appears and presents in that in that male stereotyped way of what charisma and like if you sit and over talk, it must mean you're confident and you know what you're talking about and I'll just be back here. Right. Who bows out when it's an right. over talking situation? The people who probably know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Right. right. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's my whole thing. Just because somebody's quiet doesn't mean they don't have something important to say. Right. And so I think that we need to raise up voices. All voices mm-hmm. need to be have an equal chance of being heard. And it might not be in that typical situation verbally at the table. Mm-hmm. So there's something that I've been employing at my work that it's been going over really well. It's the post-it note approach. So instead of doing the typical round robin, like anybody has something to say, so everybody gets a post-it note, they can write them. So there's anonymity attached. I like that. You put them on the whiteboard and then they get read off. So Ooh, that's it's nice. you, like the group addresses each statement equally. So everybody's mm-hmm. um, voice 
has an equal chance to shine and it's been going really well. I've learned so much that I probably wouldn't have otherwise because Right. There's some there's safety. some people that are always, there's safety. There's some people that are always going to say, I don't have anything, you know, pass or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yes, because it's it's easier to then to have conflict. And nobody Yeah. nobody wants to feel conflict or tension at Nobody work. wants something stupid either. No, no. Nobody wants to say something dumb. Sarah, you're not here. I'm drinking your wine. Yeah. Um, right. So the the systems that reward confidence in male leaders, even if they're incompetent. Uh, punish, punish white women for lacking confidence and women of color for showing too much of it. So I wanted to just highlight that too, because Yeah, if yeah. you act overconfident, um, then that can be Lots taken of harmful stereotypes right, come out. right, 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 and and all of that's deemed unacceptable by the male leadership norms that exist. So like these alternative styles need to be explored um, for how to help support people. Um, so we need to fix our bias, Well, not, <laughs> <laughs> easier said than done. right? And everyone has it, Oh, yeah. We all have bias. right? I just had an argument with someone about like, I don't have white privilege um, because I, because I am, supportive and i'm looking here and like later and it's like i that doesn't it's and actually white privilege comes from a concept of um actual like objective things like there are systemic things that you being white has given you um it's not about you feeling that way and now you're a jerk but maybe you are sometimes Well, that goes, I mean, read White Fragility. It was a oh good that's book. that is yeah mm-hmm Um, Speaks to a lot of that stuff. so these toxic cultures that value individualism, which again is another like Western um, workplace thing versus uh, maybe like more team-based dynamics. Uh, we need to, according to them, move away from fixing women's imposter syndrome and instead look at inclusive workspaces Um kind of as a multivitamin to help help women thrive in the in the workplace, acknowledging that those feelings do come up, that they have, many have been marginalized and discriminated against, and there has to be a cultural shift and acknowledgement and ownership. So one thing, um, and I'm gonna kind of pause on on this for for the topic now, but um I'm really glad we shared about those ideas. Have you seen it at like at the end of emails from universities where it has the like, you know, our happens a lot in Washington, like our our university is on um Oh, land acknowledgement. yeah, land acknowledgements, thank Yeah. you. Um and like I'd seen those and I was like, oh, okay, like that's a Do you fairly kind of think it's stupid? well I I, I again was I just kind of stumbled on an article that was like It's empty it, talk. it was a yeah but It's <laughs> empty talk. right right So when yeah I was in November at um, the... U.S. Uh, Professional Association for Transgender Health Conference. That's a mouthful. yeah So there was one of the keynote speakers was um, a Native individual and really <laughs> spent some time talking about these land acknowledgments, which I love. Like, 
yeah, I have my own opinion, but it really doesn't matter. Like, this is the opinion that matters. Right. And this person said, yeah, like, that's empty words. That's trying to make yourself feel better. So what needs to be attached to that is, okay, and now what you, what do you do about it? Right, right. So it can have, like, yeah, I'm we're on this traditional land, and if you want to do something about it, here's what you can do. And I loved, I found one, because I was like, okay, like, interesting article, makes sense, and and again, it is like a trying to relieve your own guilt by saying, hey, we acknowledge it, but that's not about your guilt. It's, like, that's not right. the point. So here's, um, here's one that I found. Um, okay. Um, okay. So I'm going to specifically do one for universities just because they're, because oftentimes they're kind of viewed as that, like, I don't know. That's where you have a lot of social advocacy that can happen. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. So this one is a land acknowledgement provides an opportunity for college and university in this context to uh, foreground the marginalized history and of the institution and the region, raise awareness about ongoing colonialism and land-based injustices, raise awareness about lack of representation of indigenous peoples, and formalize an action plan to support um, people in the future. So but most of them don't have the action plan. Correct, correct. Most of them are just like, we want to acknowledge that we are sitting here on the traditional lands and they named the mm -hmm. local tribes and that's it. Right, right. And that's, and they have that little like two or three sentence if that like, thing. Like, what do you, what, and now what? Like, what, how right. can we help repair the situation? What can we do? So, um, this is actually a, a template from, from California. Um, and they have a land acknowledgement toolkit uh, that urges institutions to one, take responsibility, formally acknowledging the tra traditional stewards of the land and why the acknowledgement matters in the first place. And then reciprocity, how to build a process for acting in solidarity with Native Americans. And then respect, understanding the history, again, and relationships building. Um, one of the things that many of these things missed, that plan part, was a statement that, oh, I can't find it in this one, but that we acknowledge that we have taken these lands and that we are uh, monetarily gaining from these um, systemic oppression of, you know, whoever it yeah. would be. And how can we get back? How can we right. get back to tribes? Right, none to of help tribes, you know, begin to heal and mm -hmm. and gain whatever it is they need, title to traditional lands or whatever it is. And I, this is really relevant for us in our area because right, right. we've done many podcasts about the fucked up history, you know, in our region between the settlers and the tribes that were here. Mm -hmm. A lot, yeah. So one is also make sure that you're naming living people and current projects from indigenous communities. So sometimes it's like a historical statement almost, and it sounds like not relevant anymore. And it's just like, hey, we acknowledge this historical thing, but it is very present and there is current oppression just by the yeah. fact that 
um, just by the fact that you are benefiting from something that the current systemic oppression is not allowing them to benefit from. I think you have to do create this statement in partnership with the local tribes. Like you can't just right. make this on your own and just slap it on. You know, I think that's like continuing the same fucking problem. Like right. reach out to your local tribes, figure out who the leadership is there and see how they feel about it. Like, maybe they're maybe they're like, a, this is stupid, don't, don't even do it. Talk about me without me. Remember that? Nothing about me Nothing without about me. me. Right, right. Yeah. So it's so pompous. I mean it's that same thing, right? Uh-huh. So like even this like the this one I just looked up has like the basic things that we've already talked about. And it's you know Montana State University with no references outside of their program coordinator, their senior diversity and inclusion officer. Uh, but like, where are your, where is your coordination with the actual people that you say that you care about? Exactly. That was, it was so enlightening to hear from that speaker, you know, <laughs> and just saying outright how like stupid <laughs> These are, unless they yes. have real teeth to them. Right, right. Like, it's something that I think people are doing to make themselves better. feel better. Yes. It's versus actually impacting the people that you pretend to care about. Like, right. that's a big difference. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really just kind of frustrating. Uh, frustrating for me. I can only imagine how it would feel for someone... Who, like, what if you're a student who is part of that community and go to that university? Or and this applies. To and you have to hear that bullshit. Yeah, all the time and they do the like for every like presentation. Well, or whatever. And I was gonna say now they're everywhere, like um, events and like we like they give these kind of empty statements. You know what would be better? Lots. Let, let yeah, a lot. But let's have a tribal representative do the statement because I would love it to be in. Not from the perspective of we acknowledge, but you are on my traditional lands. Like, let's right. hear what somebody would really have to say about that. Right, right, right. Like, bring in. Yeah, like, like maybe they're like, get the fuck off. Yeah. Like, about, and let's listen to that because yeah, that's real. Yeah. Like, why don't you give up some <laughs> of your time to let someone else talk? How about that? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's this continued yeah exactly um, the continuation of the I found, I found the article that i'd seen so um the that, loudest voices in the room are not necessarily the people that have the most to say i think that's my takeaway right right right. that's my until next time mm -hmm. so that stewardship stop saying stewardship first of all um it's not that it's a like we're holding for or like taking care of for that's not right. It's happening. not like it's a temporary thing, like your house sitting. Right, right. <laughs> um, so many uh, places are actually pausing uh, using those. Uh, yeah, as they're looking yeah. more into it. So um, many land acknowledgments do not strive towards reconciliation. Um, too often, land acknowledgments—they're empty, feel-good gestures and naive left with this was. This was from someone who, who shared a naive left-wing paint-by-number approach. Yeah. Even more yeah. troubling, land acknowledgments can unintentionally communicate false ideas about the history of dispossessions and the current realities of the American Indians and Alaskan Natives. These ideas, have, like, like, if you put out, I, it makes it 
Okay, hold on. Let's see here. Like what was once yours is now ours is kind of the idea of a custodianship. Yeah. And here's what I'm wondering now, now that we're talking about this. My whole leg is not my camera. And the fact that this it. is a whole like not this is like about us without us. This is definitely about us without us. Right. Is this continual reminder? Is this trauma traumatizing, traumatizing. Right. for people? I think so because and it's so like like spitting in is it your face. Na- is it nanny nanny boo boo? I think so. Um, while non-indigenous peoples are often unaware of the trauma of dispossession, the after lives of these traumas are deeply felt and experienced within these communities. That's what we just said. Performative illusions. Blah 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 blah. blah. Um, so. It a lot of these make it this disposition sound like if it happened at all, it didn't happen to real people in the sense that white people are like it makes it it's intentionally written to make people not feel bad. Oh yeah, yeah. Like and that's not the point of it. Like right. you should, maybe you should not maybe you should feel bad. Right. I mean, what is an acknowledgement? What is the value in that? Mm-hmm. What is the worth? Right. What is that accomplishing? Yes. Um, I acknowledge a lot of things. It doesn't make a fucking difference. Some American Indians and Alaska Natives refer to such individuals as pretendians. Ooh. I like that, right? Um, so that's where like appropriations were like talked about but didn't follow through. So they kind of view it that way. Um, like don't don't again give us a fake, like a fake fix. That's literally the problem that's mm-hmm. been happening over and over again, lying um, and taking. So when non-Indigenous peoples embrace them as real American Indians, oh, okay, so let me share what they said. The good acknowledgement will be, and then I'll stop, um, is... What many indigenous persons reported that they wanted from land acknowledgement is a clear statement that the land needs to be restored to the indigenous nation. Yeah, the that, action. That it would, that. But nobody wants that. No, nobody wants to nobody say that. Nobody that's saying <laughs> the acknowledgement wants, wants that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a whole pack of lies. The, they want those who are acknowledging, they want them to reveal a sincere commitment to respecting and enhancing Indigenous sovereignty, an example of such action would be to publicly endorse and abide by the Cherokee scholar's statement, um, or wherever you are, um, which articulates a Cherokee perspective on the issue and provides guidance on how to appropriately identify um, individuals as Cherokee citizens and what to do when confronted by fraudulent or questionable appropriations. Like, yeah. What is I don't have any power in this area, really, but I do want to know what our local tribes have to say about this. I would love to know. I mean... What, do you, what is the way forward? Well, and are they being asked by anyone other than our wonderful podcast? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to look into it, though. Yes, I agree. I, agree. I feel like I'm going to have follow-up homework after this. I, I mean, honestly, it's a lot of hard Like, I'm going to send an email to BH. Yes. And their whole thing is that the acknowledgement should disrupt. This should make yeah, yeah. people read it and go, ooh. I don't like empty words. No, no. I mean, that's part of the why I'm more quiet at the meetings because right. I want my words. I, I understand the power of words. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I deeply understand that. And right. so if I'm going to say something, I want it to have value. 
So words have power. Words have value. Like, no empty words. A group of Indigenous faculty members at the UNC Chapel Hill wrote a template of acknowledgement that they said that could be adopted by university departments to speak directly to university leaders. Their statement notes, this institution was, quote, chartered in 1789 as an institution designed to educate and further the careers of white men and founded as an institution of white supremacy on unceded lands. The statement further points out that UNC has substantially funded its operations through wealth der derived from land documents documented as stolen and relied upon enslaved and otherwise unfree American labor to construct its buildings and facilities. Okay, but then, and now what? Like, that's great. That's the acknowledgement piece, but then, and now what? Well, How are we beginning to repair this? Well, and that would be that first part of... And we we are because that's the part that's I think scary for it because if you say and we want the lands to go back to them, are right, where you hold the title, like okay, do it, do something, do, do something, something. Do, something. Until next time, do something. Yeah, same. Bye. Same, same.